Welcome to the Take 92 Podcast. This is Sammy Warmhands. I'm your host. And today I've got here in the studio That Kid Cry from Salem, Oregon. We just hit the ground running with this. Uh, I thought it'd be maybe a short little chat, but we ended up having probably the longest single episode that I've had to date. So um, uh, we had a lot of things to talk about, life and music and whatnot. And uh, you can catch That Kid Cry right here in Eugene at the Granary on November 21st. Welcome. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good. <laughs> I just got off work, so I'm in a much better place right now. Yeah. Both literally and metaphorically. Yeah, it's like the best time to do something when you get off work, because then you feel good about your life. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I Sometimes I feel better to play a show on a day that I came straight from work, as yeah. opposed to a day that I had off. Yeah, it's like doing something really shitty, and then you're like... Let's do something really awesome now and just counterbalance that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It almost charges you up for, you know, gives you that edge. Yeah. Uh, but we were talking about uh, you made this Facebook post. Um, do you want to mm-hmm. tell the folks what it was? Uh, it was about people who make beats uh, and how they offer basically pawn shop prices, <laughs> is what I said. Yeah. Uh, because... They'll they'll make these beats in like five to ten minutes, and I I can appreciate art, and that art sometimes doesn't take very long to make, but I don't respect people who put large price tags on art that doesn't take very long to make. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, like I just feel like it's a a cop out. Like it's just really uh, like it's a money making scheme. Obviously, there's no other reason to do it. You know, like yeah, why why are you charging this guy who doesn't have a thousand dollars? a thousand dollars for an exclusive beat you know now he has to buy the lease and that's a loophole for him not to own the beat and yeah uh, like and i i actually (laughs) feel really weird about lease music like that that is something because that's one of the only things i've actually done is buy leases and really it works out but uh i just made it like the way i did it i was like uh so Potentially, like the, the chances are like gambling if you blow up or something. But if I blew up with one of your songs, I could just come to you with that money I made from blowing up and just buy the exclusive, right? And he was like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "But okay, by then he probably no leased sense. it to somebody yeah, else." Yeah, yeah. Then twelve other people have made the same track, and then you're like, "It's not even original anymore." But <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird concept to me. Like, it, it is weird, and and you know, I came up playing in bands and you know all four of us in a room we write a song together and then Mm -hmm. when i started making rap music it was like all right uh the producer does his thing he makes the beats you know web yeah uh, in my case when i started out would make the beats you know i would have my first pick at them and then i would go write and record my stuff and it was a separate thing Mm -hmm. but then uh you know when we started touring everybody would come up to us after the show you guys are really cool you want to buy i'm like no 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 we got our own guy you know (laughs) yeah i got these beats but now that i'm a solo artist (laughs) yeah now i start to learn because i am you know uh a little bit more in the market for some stuff and and i've worked with a lot of producers and the first time i was confronted with that oh i charge uh this for uh non-exclusive lease and this for an exclusive like you know you're purchasing it basically and i thought what yeah, that exists. Like, like there is, there is a a, it's, it's a make, market enough. Yeah, for people to resell the same beat over and over for you know twenty five bucks or something, when you could have the real thing for you know a hundred. Yeah, 
it makes no sense the, to me. The Why concept would you... of leases is worse than the exclusive being so much money to me. But I, it kind of is. Just like, yeah. But the Why would you want to have your yeah, name on a beat yeah. that's out there five, six different times? And they make the exclusive so expensive that you have to buy the lease is pretty much how it goes. And that allows them resell uh, to resell the whole thing. And then... Then you're sitting there on a beat that everybody's used or whatever, and you don't know how many people have a song to this beat because it's on his beat page. and Yeah, it's, it's on like, the SoundCloud. Yeah, like, you can rip it from SoundCloud, too. How many people have stolen the beat? Like, yeah. How many and used it? Like, on top of the people that bought it, you know? Like, yeah. And then if you buy it, it evens out for him, whoever the beat maker is, you know? He charges you $1,000 for the exclusive. Say someone actually pays that $1,000, like, kudos to that beat maker, by the way, like... That's a yeah. If you're if you're making your living you're doing that, like, yeah. like I wish I could do that, but, yeah. but still, like uh, it's crazy that they are able to do that. And then it, but it balances out. He pay someone pays him a thousand bucks. Now there's not twenty people paying a thousand bucks altogether for the beat. But yeah. like it's still like I don't know. It's it's so foul. It's it's the same as same with promoters. Like promoters do the it's the same kind of scheme as like ticket sales and stuff like that. Like they give this poor little helpless like guy who hasn't rapped like but one or two times on a stage and they're like, Hey, buy my uh, 25 tickets for you know 400 500 dollars and then you can try to go resell them but you don't have any fans yet so i know you're not going to but i'm going to tell you that you have the capability to resell all of them and get your money back because yeah. that's how you're going to pay me oh not like, just that because just, i the promoter have uh, agreed to pay you know some yeah. exorbitant guarantee for a guy who hasn't yeah. been relevant in 20 years. Yeah, you know? it's like this guy, uh, MC Douchebag, comes from wherever he can, the 19, early 1990s, and we haven't heard from him in a long time, but he's you can go see him for 20 bucks a ticket and <laughs> check him out. But yeah. there's going to be 15 people there, and they're all rappers trying to get him on a track. Like, Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and to me, the problem with the, the a lot of those pay-to-play situations, especially to open for somebody is that that is the first indication that the promoter doesn't know what he's doing mm -hmm. because he probably is already in the hole trying to dig himself out really fast, <laughs> you know, going, yeah. oh, shit, well, do I put on quality acts or do I put on people who are going to help me make back what I just fronted for this mm -hmm. thing? And it's like, I understand you got to make a business de decision, but at the same time, if you're thinking big picture long term if you want to have a relationship with this audience and yeah. these venues you can't be doing shit like no. that that's insane because then only the star artist gets paid nobody else walks away with anything and mm -hmm. the fans go that was kind of a shitty show there's yeah. only like 20 people there i don't know. You know the relationship you're building with them is not to go to your future shows like yeah yeah Every time you convince 15 30 pe to 30 people to come out to your shows, like they come and then they realize the show sucked because it wasn't ran the right way, or you know, and then then they're gone. But like, <laughs> yeah, it sucks. I, I just, and it makes the whole market diluted and it ruins things for everybody. They're damaging the shows that are good, even though they don't know that they're doing that. Like the promoters that suck, like the they're, they're damaging other people's shows, I think, because everybody associates every genre of hip hop together as one hip hop culture because it's so young and everybody, you know, like they, people think hip hop, rap, trap, rap, all that. Like, uh, well, yeah. And, and like, if, and if you don't go out regularly, yeah. um, then you go, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go see 
uh, a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't seen one in a few years. You know, let's go check out what Eugene's got yeah. for stand-up comedy. If you go out and it sucks and the vibe is shitty and you you mm-hmm. overpaid, then you're going to go, I don't know if I'm going to see a comedy show yeah. again for a yeah, long time. Yeah, because you associate that shitty comedy show with every comedy show. Now every yeah. show, every, every comedy show in the future is going to be shitty to you because that one was. And exactly. That's it's, not how it is at all, but that's how people operate. Like that's because they, because this is our life, but it's yeah. not theirs. The average audience, they member, don't dissect it the way we do you know, and do this. Yeah. Like, and they're not like, buried <laughs> in it. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. we're not, they're not immersed in uh, that culture of whatever it is. Most times mm-hmm. they uh, just want to go out and be entertained for an evening and, it's the same thing that why you, like when you tell people, I don't know if you have this, but a lot of people mm-hmm. I've talked to who are rappers, when uh, you you meet someone and they ask what you do, and it's always like, oh, I'm a musician. Yeah. Oh, uh, what do you do? Well, you know, I'm a lyricist or whatever. You know, yeah. like people kind of talk their way into saying, well, I'm a rapper. Yeah. No. You have to, because you're not, uh, you're not playing instruments. You're not. You're just using your words. And a lot hip hop still viewed by a lot of people as not even music. Like, like people. It's like one of the hardest. I feel like it's one of the hardest genres to break into. But it's the only one I'm really good at. So like, well, yeah, <laughs> I have because to suck it up. <laughs> because the average person is seeing this. Yeah. You know, one yeah. percent of what um, the genre has to offer, and yeah. so they're they're making that um, judgment based on what mm-hmm. they see you know i don't know much. some of the faces of hip-hop being young thug and gucci man and whatever like yeah. Ray ray Schmurda or whatever his name is like uh who flow rider pitbull like if those are the faces of yeah. the whole thing and people hear that music and they associate that with all hip-hop like that's they're like well that's at the top right like so yeah. that's what hip-hop yeah that is. must like, be the best of it right yeah like that's, yeah people always say you know i don't i listen to all kinds of music except for rap and country yeah like man you know how much good music is under both of those umbrellas that's yeah. in the underground like trust me man it's not what they're selling you but there's some good but, shit out there where i grew up on the coast it's all country music like they they all listen to country out there like and they're all about going taking the taking their four-wheelers and everything dirt bikes whatever, yeah to go and mud and with their trucks up in the mountains like and playing just blasting country out the windows like that's where i grew up at and i wasn't even exposed to hip-hop other than like for some reason a lot of country music fans play tech nine that's a weird uh thing but <laughs> yeah he has a weird crossover <laughs> yeah. Not just rock fans, <laughs> yeah. but all over. Yeah. They they love tech, but they didn't really uh, like any other uh, hip hop that I knew of. Like the first time I learned of something hip hop in the whole town was uh, my English teacher brought a Roots CD to school and made us do a paper on it. Really? Yeah, because he he wanted us to learn music culture because he was teaching us about different cultures in the world and hip-hop culture was one of the things he taught us and he used the Roots to teach us about it and that was the first time I ever heard the Roots as a That's kid. That's wonderful. I, I didn't even know what it was. I was like, this is crazy. Like, this, I've never heard this music ever. Like, And then I found Talib Kweli and all them and Dude, then I was like... Phew. That was through school. <laughs> yeah. No like, shit. Yeah, it was uh, my freshman year, I believe. Like... Uh, English teacher and his name was Mr. Richardson. Uh, Shout out to Mr. Yeah. Richardson, man. <laughs> yeah. To think he... that there's there's a classroom right now somewhere in Oregon or yeah. Idaho with or like sixty uh, sixty two students in the graduating class. Yeah, and he's teaching two classes a day on the roots. Dude, uh, and, dude, the thing that year. there's people out there like that is so 
<laughs> inspiring to me, man. Like, I remember I had a soci- sociology teacher, and uh, uh, I did my report on uh, straight edge because mm-hmm. we were supposed to do something on um, like counterculture, uh, yeah. subculture, some sort of project, and I did mine on uh, straight edge hardcore. Mm-hmm. Big surprise, right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I remember after the presentation, uh, she was like, oh, that was so cool. I uh, actually, you know, grew up when that was happening, when yeah. it was new, like, I, you know, and, and uh, uh, I kind of didn't believe her and mm-hmm. that she was into that whole scene. And so uh, we had like one of those half days where they're just bullshitting and whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And you know, the teacher will play a video or, or you got a, you know, yeah. game or whatever you do that day because they're just, you know, they don't care that day. And so I remember her basically proving the point by playing um, musical chairs to minor threat uh. <laughs> in class. Yeah. And I was like, man, this, this lady's great. So, yeah, shout out to Becca <laughs> yeah. Taylor. It's awesome when people go out there and they use those kind of methods to teach people because it doesn't necessarily mean they're forcing the culture on kids or anything. It just means that they're teaching them it exists because in towns like where I was from, like that stuff doesn't exist. There's nothing. It's not there. Like they just don't know about it. They don't they don't look at it. They don't listen to it. Like I think now it's a little more. It's a little better than it was when I was. Well, yeah, the up. roots are on the Tonight yeah, Show. Like you they've know. they've come, yeah they've they've grown now and now there's kids there just you know like they're bumping today's you know hits but before it was <laughs> it it wasn't it wasn't like that we weren't like we had a certain set of music that our parents gave us and that's what we knew existed you know like because it was a, it's a town of when I was there it was like twenty five hundred people wow and then there's like three thousand now or a little over three thousand but it's just like where where was this uh, Toledo Toledo over, yeah over it's right outside of Newport okay on the yeah. coast yeah okay. it's like probably like 10 minutes away from Newport. It's got a Dairy Queen. That's it. Like, you know, like they like their Dairy Queens on the Oregon coast. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've noticed that my wife and I, we go to Lincoln city. It's the only place uh, where Dairy Queen and Arctic circle and like yep. obscure. A and W like, maybe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no yeah. Carl's jr. We go no, <laughs> no, nothing. Like. Yeah. We go out to Lincoln city and, um, uh, for our anniversary every year. And, uh, uh, there's nothing like Dairy Queen in the jacuzzi. I gotta say, you take, you you get your drive through, and then you yeah. haul ass to the hotel, and you do that. But yeah, I've noticed there's there's nothing going all the way down 101 mm-hmm. other than Dairy Queen, and I think Subway. Yeah, there's there's like Taco Bell now, and McDonald's obviously is everywhere, but you know they're just infecting everything. That's not really that's different. Well, yeah, but it's <laughs> it's funny when you're used to uh, a certain influx of. Um, capitalism let's say Mm -hmm. and then you're on tour driving through idaho yeah and you've been going for six hours and you really (laughs) just wanted a burger king because you're poor (laughs) and you're on the road yeah and you're like dude there is subway after subway after subway after subway what is do they have like a monopoly on Mm -hmm. this state yeah like what the fuck i don't know throws me off it's like a it's a culture shock like i i came from that town and then i moved to albany just going to albany albany is not that great but like, <laughs> just going to albany i was like there's so many things like there's <laughs> it's crazy there's all this stuff to do and like and then everybody in albany's like oh fuck this place what are you like, talking about this place like, sucks nothing here and then and then i moved to salem and it was even bigger and they're like whoa there's a <laughs> it's like there's a mall <laughs> that's crazy like, <laughs> that's funny man because yeah. like i'm i'm from here born and raised Eugene, mm-hmm. Oregon, 
and everybody else moves to Portland or Seattle mm-hmm. or L.A. or yeah. San Francisco or whatever. Like, nobody stays, and the people who move here also do the same thing. It's like a stepping stone place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's funny to me to hear that because uh, I'm a person who's witnessed the stepping stone progression yeah. as being like, oh, yeah, well, it's your time. See you later, guys, you know. But uh, <laughs> but you were a person who jumped around a little bit. I I wanted to move because of – mostly because of people I met. Like I I moved to Albany because some friends wanted to go to Albany. Oh, I thought you meant because you wanted to get away from people yeah, that you met. I did want to get – yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> but but uh, I, I like I left Toledo because there's nothing there, and I felt like I wasn't gonna progress in life if I stayed there. Like yeah. it's a good place to come back to and visit, but I feel like you can get trapped there, and then like which isn't necessarily a bad thing when you look at how shitty the world is in the bigger picture. Like maybe they have something right in their mind in their own business, and sure, there's worse places to be. Yeah, yeah, like but it just felt like. Uh, just this dead hole where I was just trapped and I, I was like, I need to go out and do something. I feel like, and I'm learning hip hop in my head and I'm like, cause I was just practicing it by myself and people didn't even know I could rap. Like, so when, people, when I, is this time in your life? How old were you? I was like, it's gotta be 16 years old. Like I was learning about it. Like I was learning it existed. So I was, all these doors in my head were opening. I didn't really know how to rap yet, but I was studying it. I was like learning it. You kind of wanted to early yeah, on. I was like, yeah, I, I can write poetry. I do that all the time. Like I've been writing poetry in class since like forever. Like that, you know, I I write a poetry, a, a poem, and give it to the teacher, and he'd give me extra credit in English class just because I wrote a extra poem, and then he would read it to the class or something. It was a weird. So, so you would do it when it wasn't required. You would just yeah. be like, I like writing these. Yeah, I was like, I like writing these. He check these out, and then he would think they were so good that he'd read them in front of the class, and awesome. it'd be weird. And then he'd give me like extra credit, and then I was like, okay, cool. And then I ended up being in like I was taking advanced english three and advanced english four in sophomore year and nice I, I finished those and then junior year i was like wrapping everything up and i graduated my junior year and got out of there like because that's interesting that's really yeah. similar to my progression as well because yeah. <laughs> i i mean i had been playing music for a while at that point but i um i got all my credits out of the way mm-hmm. Uh, by my junior year and I, I wanted to graduate early because like, I, was, I was all into my band and I, I knew I didn't want to go to college I wanted to play music um, which by the way now I'm 30 and yeah. um, I make uh, like $12,000 a year so that, that didn't work out so well for me but um, I knew what I wanted <laughs> and I did that and uh, uh, sorry I got caught up on the like not now that didn't work out for me but <laughs> um but yeah i i did that i finished school um early and i also really liked um my english class and my english teacher yeah um i even wrote like i released my first book this year but mm-hmm. in high school i had a teacher who really liked my report on uh george carlin yeah and i thought oh That's my awesome. god really and so we started talking and uh me and my friend nick morris we started writing comedy yeah and uh we made a a book we only got to like 50 pages or something but but we wrote a book that was everything from like a one-liner to a whole three-page five-page routine or something you know and um when we finished it we would give drafts to the english teacher just like out of class (laughs) and she would take her little post-it marks and 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 edit it for us basically and you know give us 
notes. I still save all that shit from my old English teacher because I thought it was so inspiring that I could be like writing, you know, dirty yeah. jokes and and crazy, you know, uh, anti-social kind of opinions and being encouraged. An adult was appreciating to, it. To yeah. pursue it, <laughs> yeah, from <laughs> someone who's, you know, uh, you respect as having a, a hold of things as a writer yeah. and a knowledge of things. Um, so that that was definitely inspiring to me as well. It's cool that we both had a figure like that in our yeah. lives. Yeah, I mean, there was all kinds of things going on at that time where I was like, like I was, uh, I was getting kicked out of my house. Uh, I I was I I got a job right when that happened, and so mm -hmm. I started working that job full time. I'd walk to school every day to continue and finish. Like I felt like I needed to get it done and then so, just leave. Like so, you lived on your own while yeah, you finished school. Well, I I was couch surfing. I went I I went to like my aunt's, my friend's house, my uh, you know my other friend's house, and then eventually I found. Uh, I, I met my dad because I hadn't, I've n I'd never uh, met my dad. So you grew up with uh, just your mom? Yeah. And uh, I had met him and she had, I, you know, she's had husbands and stepdads and the stepdad thing is why I got kicked out in the first place. But Gotcha. Uh, but I met my real dad uh, at a birthday party. He came to one of my birthday parties. I didn't know who he was. Oh, wow. He walked up to the yard and he said, is your mom there? And I was like, uh yeah, she's inside, and I didn't know who he was, and he went inside, and then my mom came back out and introduced my dad to me, and I was like, oh, crap. Crazy. And so I'd only known him for like a year and a half, maybe, and I'd got kicked out, and he wasn't really an option when it's, everything started, but then I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll try to live with my dad, and I lived with him for like, I don't know, maybe three, four months, and... Then something happened didn't quite with that work out. and things, you know, it's just weird whenever it makes it awkward because you didn't know that person to begin with. And it just, yeah, it, they're not necessarily going to understand yeah, where you're at. Yeah. And then I was having a hard time being a teenager and doing that on top of everything else. And I was managing my own life, basically, like uh, I got I got that job and I was still going to school, even though I didn't have to. Like I could have left school like everybody else, but I just felt like it was something I needed to get done. And there wasn't anything else I was doing that was more important, you know, like. Well, it sounds like you did have a passion for yeah, it on some level. Yeah, like I, I just wanted to, I, I liked certain classes and I liked being there to learn certain things. You know, there was things I, like I'm obviously terrible at math. You know, like, <laughs> I, I hated yeah, math. Yeah, same thing too. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, wait, how many math credits do I need? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to finish them all by sophomore year because yeah. I don't want to fuck with that <laughs> yeah, ever yeah. again. I did not do calculus or algebra nope, 2 or me whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. It was, uh, but I, I, I went and started living on. Uh, I'd pay people money to just sleep on their couches and I'd, I'd go, I'd stay with my aunt whenever I couldn't find anybody because my dad didn't work out. My mom didn't work out. Yeah. And then I lived with my mom again for another, uh, four or five months in the same situation as before repeated. And I got kicked out again and it was just, uh, bad circumstance after bad circumstance over and over and so in between all that i'm trying to learn hip-hop yeah well <laughs> was yeah like, that, that was probably something yeah. that, that um that was almost escapist for you that yeah. was like okay it, it um, was like getting away to learn something fun that i actually liked and had a i felt like i had a passion forming i i didn't i wasn't necessarily passionate about it yet but i was like i i it's strange how i got into hip-hop because I, I talk to other people, like people will tell me they've been freestyling since they're in middle school. And I yeah. said, well, I didn't know hip hop was in middle school. That's crazy. I never heard but, of that in middle school. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> so did, did you have friends that were into it or did that kind of 
it just kind of sprouted like yeah it sprouted like i had a cousin that was into like he would show me new things like and i don't know if he even knows he's responsible for that kind of thing but like he was uh he would show me people like 50 cent though and shop boys and them franchise boys that that was really hot at the time like because i'm only 25 so it's like it was like uh at that time it was what was really hot was that trap rap movement uh young jeezy was coming out ti was coming out 50 cent the game like and I I wasn't necessarily into that music. I I knew yeah. I knew about it, and I knew like I I couldn't relate with the gangster rap lifestyle because me everything in my head I take it literally. So I'll hear like a gangster <laughs> rap song, and I'm like, well, I'm, not, I'm like, like you I'm guys not, are bad people. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not really living that lifestyle. So I feel strange about like rolling down the road bumping Dr. Dre, or, you know, NWA. Like it's hard for me. Like I can appreciate the roots of it and where it came from and why yeah. it's. It, it is what it is you know like but for me i like can't personally relate on a level with it and that's to listen to music for me that's what i have to be able to do like i have to be able to yeah. relate to it or appreciate it on like some kind of personal level and i think a lot of that music is um it's a couple of things it's for people that have lived that life yeah you know it's it's them going yeah, this, this is how fucked fuck up the it police, is police fuck you know? the power fuck and then the, yeah that yeah and of... then on on the flip side of people who are coming to it like later in life they weren't uh, there when the music came out yeah um i think for like for me i grew up when tupac was blowing up everywhere and i fucking loved that shit and i thought it was the greatest thing yeah little you know 12 year old suburban white kid yeah. i loved it but i i was also really listening to a lot of punk rock and i, I related to the anger in his voice and the intensity mm-hmm. and um you know, like I, I remember hearing uh, some of those songs for the first time and just being blown away because because rap music was always so I don't know it was it was almost yeah. background noise to me. You know, it was just like it, it was a thing people would put on at like a middle school party. I didn't get it. Yeah, and then you hear a guy who has that kind of authority. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, and and then you know, years later when I started digging back and I found Ice Cube and N.W.A. Mm. and again. What really drew me in was the 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 passion, the authority, the aggression, that fuck you attitude yeah. of you know what whatever it is in your life. If you have that point of view, that that outlook, mm-hmm. you're gonna apply that to yourself in some way. And so, um, I even though the content was vastly different yeah. from what yeah. I was experiencing, <laughs> yeah. I could blast. NWA in the warehouse I work at my job (laughs) and feel like, you know, in some way it applied to my corporate, you know, structure that I was living under, you know. For me, I feel like that was like 50 Cent and Eminem. Like, I can't relate to Eminem. Like, I think Eminem was on a higher plane than me as a kid, you know. I'm a kid listening to this guy talking about killing his girlfriend and all this, like, crazy emotions that he's having and going through because he's an adult. I'm a kid. My mom was partial partially the reason where like i i wasn't getting exposed to this music too like because my mom would be like uh no eminem in my house no like mm. no this in my house no that like and like my dad uh my the one that the guy that raised helped raise me like mm-hmm. he lives in indiana but i would keep in contact with him and one of the first uh uh albums i actually got what that was hip-hop related was the eight mile soundtrack yeah go figure like it was, but uh he's 
he sent that and it was an edited version and so uh-huh. i got away with it my, he would he like called my mom and said i sent him the edited version of that cd i know you're not gonna like it but yeah. you know he yeah. he really wants it like and well and, and that's had, like, funny Rock too because that yeah no that's a great Macy collection of, of different like, artists yeah, and exhibit like, and whatever but like yeah. <laughs> but it's also like his songs on that are very more, like, way more inspirational yeah. kind of songs too so it's like <laughs> i mean because he's playing the character so it's a different um he wasn't the fuck you i'm gonna kill you guy on that cd yeah yeah, yeah like, it wasn't that <laughs> don't you want to grow up to be just like me yeah, like you know yeah you know i tie a rope around my penis and i jump from a tree <laughs> yeah. you know like because that was the first shit i heard mm-hmm. was, was that shit and i was like fascinated well, that this guy was, is so crazy but here you're getting yeah. the skill but actually a better kind of message behind yeah. it yeah and then I, I would be like secretly I'd get exposed by like I had a couple friends they'd bring me over to their house and they'd be bumping my dad's gone crazy you know like and, <laughs> and like all that shit like and I yeah. was like okay there's that yeah. Eminem but like so I knew he existed like that and I knew of the songs but I didn't own them myself and I wasn't like I wait you, you know. I haven't heard that song that you mentioned in a very long time yeah. and I'm just, I was like going through it in my head I had to interrupt you but uh, <laughs> when he said something about um, uh, he said something about uh, Kim can look a hundred thousand cocks per, per second, second yeah. before that I put out a motherfucking <laughs> gospel, gospel record. record yeah. Uh, that's the only line I remember from that song. Yeah. But and then the cha- <laughs> I, the chainsaw part stuck out to me. The because Haley uh, does it right. Rainy, 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 goddamn it, you little motherfucker! Oh, yeah. If you ain't got nothing nice to say, then don't say nothing. Uh, fuck, fuck that, that shit, shit bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, that was not one of his best songs, but it had some funny lines for yeah, sure. It just stuck. It stuck out, and then it, that was one of the ones that I was like, you know, that and Yellow Brick Road. And uh, there were there were so many different songs by him. I would like be I I would just sit there and zone out on him. But uh, eventually, I got shown, like I said, the roots, and then Talib Kweli, and then everybody else. And then I was like, oh whoa, that, I could relate to that more. I could fit into those categories more. You know, I could like I could uh, I feel better rapping like that. Like what it was feels what be- was the uh, the roots album that you heard? In the class, do you remember which one? Uh, the one with the seed on it. Uh, is that um, Game Theory? Game Theory. Okay. Game Theory. Okay. That was yeah, Ki's favorite Roots album. Yeah. The the seed two was the track he showed us. Okay. That I got knocked up nine months ago, and what she finna have, she don't know. She want neo soul, cause hip hop is old. She don't want no, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he played that track for us and asked us to write like an essay on what we thought about it and what we drew from the song and what we like like it was a it was like an exercise on the culture itself and how what the message they were getting how to interpret the story and and stuff yeah it was it was interesting and then i liked i the thing that stuck out the most to me in that class was the song like i was i heard the song and the sounds i was hearing was like blowing my mind i was like there's there's all these crazy sounds coming out of the speakers right now that i've never heard before like i'd never been exposed to hip-hop over a live band where yeah. they're actually talking about something you know where they're talking about something that relates to me like not you know like nwa all them that relates to them and they're actually talking about something in their world but like it's not my world you know like where where i was hearing the roots yeah. and i was like damn this is like uh it's more inspirational to hear something that i felt like i could relate to you know like i, I was just like this is this is something i want to do <laughs> i totally had that kind of moment and for me it was through rhyme sayers yeah uh, in in hearing ena and atmosphere and 
and even some of the uh, guys they're friends with, like Sage and and mm-hmm. Aesop, uh, hearing some of those songs. Uh, actually, I got to meet Ali at a show, and I said this to him that um, hearing something like "Shadows for the Sun" for yeah. the first time when I'm in high school, and or or or, or personal journals or something, mm-hmm. and and hearing like, "Wow, there's a guy who." is just telling his story in a non-sensational way, just just really ripping his chest open and spilling out, you know, this is my story and putting it on record and, you know, talking about getting beat up in school and all these yeah. things. And I, I thought that was the first time I, I could see myself in that community as like, wow, hip hop yeah, is for me. You realize as well. that you don't have to talk about gangster shit yeah. to be a rapper. That's like the turning point for a person who doesn't relate to a gangster rapper. Like, yeah. cause you hear that there's that one moment where you hear a song and you're like, Whoa, he's talking about something else. That means if I did it, I could talk about something else. I could, I could uh, yeah. write about anything. It's I, like, I like Busta Rhymes, <laughs> yeah. but he was talking about the end of the world and Y2K. And I was like, I don't, know what the fuck you're saying yeah. but it's <laughs> yeah. it's cool to hear you know yeah. Yeah. and like i really like the beastie boys but like they never really said much about anything you know and then and then yeah to, just to finally hear something <laughs> yeah and then to finally hear something like that um or i remember hearing no regrets from aesop rock and just mm-hmm. thinking like if you can tell this kind of a story like there's no other kind of music you can do that in. Mm-hmm. I mean, aside from unless you're Bob Dylan or something, you just you can't tell a story like that um, without being free to use that many words and syllables. And yeah. and it, it's such a big moment. And I, I don't. I mean, in my yeah. life, in yours, I don't know about whoever's listening, but when when you reach that that moment of like, holy shit, there is so much more you can do with this yeah. kind of music. I. I went through a period where I was like, uh, I had no idea what I was doing. So I, and I didn't know how to begin to do this or start to make music. So I like, I turned to other music. Like I started trying to discover things. Like I, purposely, I was like, who else is out there? <laughs> how did you do that? Uh, I, I went on uh, rap forums. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I started on a site called rapbattles.com in mm-hmm. like 2005 or something. And I was like, you're just uh, a member of the forum. Yeah. Kind I was of. a member of the forum and I would write the text battles and the topicals. And like, it was just exercising poetry basically because you're not writing to beats. You're just, there's no rhythm. You're just writing. It's like the guys who comment on beats yeah. with their own rhymes yeah. on YouTube. It like, was like that. Kind of That's thing? where those guys come from. I think and Okay. the guys who don't, find audio equipment later in life yeah that's they just become this you know their their rhymers lost in the internet (laughs) (laughs) all right i feel like i would have become one of those guys had i not forced myself to learn how how to figure out like how to do this in audio and everything but i was okay so you're doing you're doing text uh, verses and yeah, stuff. And, I was writing text verses and battles, and I was, you know, I was acting gangster because I thought that's what you had to do. Yeah. And I was, you know, I went through that, you know, white boy phase where I was like, uh, yeah, obviously, my first, my first record's like gangster rap satire, basically. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I like wasn't obviously from that. <laughs> uh, 
group of people, but I was still like trying to do it the way they did it and not trying to make my own yeah. voice. And uh, so I did all that and I experienced all that. And uh, the really awesome thing about the forums was that you had every person on there could write and every single person on there was overcritical of each other. Like they would, mm. they would vote on matches or give critique on open mics is what they call them. And <laughs> you'd write like a piece that was like 32 lines and they'd, you'd get 20 people commenting on your piece telling you what they thought of it, but they would break it down. Like your syllables weren't good enough. Your, your flow was off and that no one, your even, flow, half of those imagining. guys don't even know what flow is. Yeah. They're just like talking out their ass, but like, uh, well, I that's, take, that's interesting because you're starting yeah. out. These are my first things I've ever written. I'm yeah. putting them on the internet, and you're getting instant people critiquing that yeah. shit. How do you take that? I, you know, I cared about it. Like now, I look at it and I don't care. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily care to the point of changing the way I am. Yeah. If they told me they didn't like it, you know, I'd be like, okay, well, you didn't like it. I, you know, I found myself enough today in this world where like. I, I take critique, but it's I'm not gonna let all the critique change me like I used to. You know, like when I was on the forum, every piece of critique coming my way from whoever it didn't matter if they knew what they were talking about or not. I was just like, oh man, I gotta change this. I gotta do mm. it differently. I gotta, and it was like, it's kind of like sitting in a room of 20 people who don't know what they're doing at all, and they're all teaching each other how to do that thing. It's like how like, a movie gets made. Yeah, it's, when the screenwriter comes <laughs> yeah. in and the director comes in, they're like, all right, this is what we've got, and and we have our vision, yeah, and all the executives go yeah but what if you did this and yeah. what if you did that i'm like have you guys ever actually done this no <laughs> exactly. no exactly no i'm an accountant yeah yeah <laughs> and it got from that point where like i was on that forum and they're obviously posting music from the, that current day's artists and stuff like that that's where i discovered braille cage chino xl mortal technique mm. uh talib quali i discovered lupe fiasco on there like lupe ended up becoming like one of my favorite artists of all time and i for a while i really like modeled everything i did after him like i was like i was so inspired by him that i wanted to be like him i was like his rhymes his flows everything i was like he's like in my mind he was at the time when i was bumping him and discovering him i thought he was like the perfect rhymer like i was like this guy is on point now i feel a little different about him and i think uh, I've evolved to a point where I can, I can, I can judge things that uh, without being obsessive over them. You know, like I can look yeah, at something I mean, like. Were you when you say that you kind of modeled your style after him at a moment? Um, was that intentional or subconscious? It was subconscious. I, I feel it was entirely okay. subconscious. It I, was like it wasn't on purpose. I just liked him so much that everything I did was like. I was like, how did he do that rhyme scheme? And then in my mind, I would like scientifically break it down. I'm like, okay, so he spoke like this. He he did the inflections there. He enunciated that word. Like, and I would look at the way he's dissecting his words, and I was like, you can do that. Like, you, uh, it it opened a whole new world of like vocabulary almost because you can take vocabulary and that you know and use it in a different way yeah and, definitely and flip it and you can pronounce words differently to make it fit you can all kinds of things i learned slang basically from lupe fiasco like it was like i didn't know what slang was <laughs> like, yeah, I, like, yeah. <laughs> they don't have that on the coast yeah but, no <laughs> I, like, I i think that there's there's always a time when you listen to a rapper um who's you can kind of hear in the early days mm -hmm. who they're number one 
you know, number two influences are. Yeah. And sometimes, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You can just tell, like, okay, this is their starting point, you know. Mm-hmm. And for us in in the Illusionists, my old group, every time we would tour, even after years, we would still get, man, you guys are fucking like crazy Beastie Boys kind of shit. And we're like, yeah, yeah you know, because like, wow, I sure listened to too much of them growing up. I can see that now. Yeah. <laughs> I still listen to them, like, not necessarily every day, but every week. And uh, and that was just like I could never get away from it. It's flattering that people tell you you sound like your your favorite group. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like oh fuck, man! Like I I gotta find my own shit in here somewhere. And like, so I heard that for a long time. And and uh, um, I also kind of like listening to somebody and going, oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he listened to a lot of Black Thought. You hear how <laughs> yeah. we did that? Yeah. No, no, rewind. You hear yeah. how we did that? Yeah, yeah he did. <laughs> I, he did. You know. Yeah. And I and I I kind of find that stuff interesting because if you watch somebody's evolution, you know, mm-hmm. you can hear those things. And then at a certain point, they, if they're good, they'll yeah. become their own person. When know? I was, yeah, when I was creating and learning and doing all that, I wasn't even thinking about being my own person. I was thinking about uh, being able to do what these guys do. You know, I was like, yeah. I was like, I got to learn the craft before I try to do something spectacular in this craft you know like i gotta learn the history i gotta learn about these guys how they're rhyming i gotta learn the difference between a gangster rapper and a you know a hip-hop artist the way they label them you know like that like it's yeah just, but uh you take take uh take talib quali and look at him and then look at the differences between him and uh will smith you know or like yeah look at the difference between will smith and dr dre and then and then why is Eminem standing out? Why is he so different? You know, I, it's just you start to add all those things up in your head and you're learning. And then all of a sudden one day it clicks that, like, I can make my own project. I can I can do this the way I feel I want to do it. But all the knowledge you've just gained, like, that's going to cause you to have influence from that. Like, you're just... Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. You're going to hit all those things you've been studying and hearing and learning, like... Uh, all of a sudden that becomes part of who you are and uh then at that point you can focus on like i i was i was trying to make the best rhyme scheme you know i like in my head i love patterns i love mm-hmm. like the uh the the whole way like you can change four bars to four bars to six bars and all three of those are different rhyme schemes you know like every single every single section of that like you switch it up you switch it up you switch it up and then you're all of a sudden you're coming out with these crazy schemes nobody really appreciates that i think as fans well, like, the, the writers do yeah That's the what writers it's for, like you know? yeah <laughs> and, and I, i'll use mike Nine as an example he's someone who um particularly on the newest album him and factor i don't know if you've heard it but i haven't heard the new um, one but it's 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 probably my favorite thing that he's done as a solo artist but um he does this thing so well, like that nobody else really does. Yeah. Um, where he'll take, uh, you know, the first couplet, mm-hmm. and he will repeat not only the the rhyme, but the rhythm. Yeah. And he does three solid verses, putting new words on that same rhythm that have the same rhyme, and it's fucking. Incre- like if you just put it on you're like oh yeah the song's pretty cool yeah. but if you listen to what he's doing yeah, it's the ridiculous way, yeah, the um, way it comes out like yeah 
I mean, he is mathematical the way I love he hearing and different schemes that I never even thought of. And then I love trying to create them too. Like, and then sometimes I'll create a scheme in my head, and then later on I'll hear an artist that did it already, or like another artist that's more famous will do it after I did, you know, yeah, and he'll yeah. make it famous. And I'm like, damn, like that sucks. Like, I well, re- no, that that's <laughs> exciting too because yeah. I, I remember the first time I ever heard one of my lines. Yeah, you know, I'm okay from my point of view. First time I ever heard one of my lines yeah. on somebody else's record. Um, I had never, <clears throat> I had never listened to Pharaoh Manch before. Yeah, and I bought Desire, mm-hmm. and on that uh, I can't think of what song, but he says, uh, "When I lay in the cut like Neosporin," and I remember <laughs> the same year. Um, and, well, granted, I found his record a couple years later, but but in 2009. I wrote that line on yeah. this joke song called Dick Buffet for the Illusionist. <laughs> and I said it and I and I pulled Webb aside and I was like, dude, this is the most obvious thing. Yeah. Someone has to have used this. I was like, you've been listening to hip hop since it was born. Tell me, have you heard this before? He's like, never heard it before. I'm like, he goes, you'd think you would have, yeah. but I've never heard it. And I was like, okay. I'm going to use it. Yeah. And so I put it on the record. Ours ends up coming out 2010, which was after Desire. <laughs> yeah. I heard it the following year and went, fuck. And then I thought, wait a second. If, if I had a thought that I put on a record and somebody I really, really look up to now that I've found their music and, and understand their, their ability and their significance, mm-hmm. if we at one point had the same thought and put it in a record, I thought, yeah. that's a pretty cool moment, yeah. you know? And how I many, shouldn't be how mad many at artists that. are there, you know? How many people are there, and how many how many things are there actually to say, you know, like, on a on a record? Like, you, you, you the chances of repeating something that someone else once said is so high, like, now. It's like bands suing each other over using the same chord yeah, progression or like, something. Like, yeah. are you kidding? Really? Yeah, you're like, how many people have been playing guitar? How long? Like, now? Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> like, why are you upset about this? <laughs> like, we've all seen those YouTube videos of the guy who plays like 35, you know, top 40 hits yeah. using the same chords, you know, like, come on, man. Like, yeah, I, I freaked out and had a meltdown over it. I was like, I overreacted. I, I, yeah. like, I, I wrote a line. I can't remember what the line was. I was so mad about it. Like I, I wrote it and, uh, it was like two lines. It was like a, a setup and a punchline like that was both both lines were used almost word for word identical with the crooked eye song and i was and that was later his came out later i heard his come out and i hadn't even dropped mine yet and then i I heard his come out and i was like oh man and then i just deleted the track you got your shit recorded ready to come out and you're like fuck (laughs) yeah like i was like i can't put that song out now and then i just deleted it and i got mad and i can't remember what the line was now that's funny man (laughs) that's funny yeah i i swear there have been I'm sure there was I, I know like, what you're talking about now. Like I've 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 had moments where uh you you you've got something on deck and somebody else puts out something that's like maybe on like a, an adjacent mm-hmm. uh concept or something and you're like, "Ah, shit." It's like, yeah. "But I've been playing this live for like a year, man. I got to put it out, you know." <laughs> I've come up with album names where like an album name like and then I looked it up and it was already taken or something and I was yeah. like, "Oh, but that was going to be so good." Like <laughs> Okay, so I'm I'm just going to uh make the 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 change here because we've been talking a lot about music that we yeah. love and grew up on but let's let's talk about you t- too because um uh the record i was playing when you showed up is the rise and the fall yeah 
and uh, double album. Mm-hmm. Um, how many tracks on that? There, I mean, they're it's forty-one. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. packed full. Those two discs. Yeah, and it is solid. Um, <laughs> and I know it's not your newest release, but uh, that is uh, that's it's the one that gets commented on the most. Well, like, that's just that's the last one that is. I own because I want to own the yeah. real thing. If I'm going to own one, is you know the actual CD of it. Yeah, and uh, uh, that that was kind of my introduction to your recorded music Mm -hmm. and uh man i just thought it was so well executed front to back and it's got you know technicality it's got personality and um yeah how how did that come to be that did you go into it knowing i'm gonna make a double album or did you just wind up having so many songs and think i i can't cut these uh i called it a mixtape like really? it, it's a it's a mixtape because I don't own the rights to half of those songs, at least half. Okay, then that's like, probably the best mixtape I've ever yeah. heard. I'll, I'll just say <laughs> that right now. Uh, I gave it away for free online, but uh, it was just I had all these songs that I was building, and then uh, I realized there was kind of a theme to it. Like I had a lot of sad songs, and I had a lot of like uppity and inspirational happy type of songs and Mm -hmm. and i was like well i could make like uh like a happy sad album you know like i could like that that was the first concept thing i'd ever thought of like because before i wasn't thinking concept albums i was just putting out cds with 16 songs on this one 21 songs on this one and it was like just random gobs of crap like that didn't (laughs) make sense like i was like i was just happy to be getting music out before that yeah and then the rise and the fall comes, and I realize like, oh, I could make a concept album. Like, I could actually focus on starting to do that with my CDs. Like, I I could take it a step farther creatively instead of focusing on each individual song so hard. I could, and then they all end up not blending together. I could take all these songs and make a thing out of it. So, so are you are through- you creating it then, thinking of okay, I have two moods. I'm trying to yeah. fit. They're going to be separate things, and I'm going to write them differently. Or, or yeah, is it I had I, about ten songs for this one and ten songs for this one, and uh, it was originally supposed to be like a one disc thing that I was just going to smash together yeah. again, like I did before the same recipe. And then I was, I was like, well, I could make a double album. I've seen other people do that, and I got time. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not in a yeah. hurry to do anything. No deadline. So, yeah, there's. <laughs> so I just started popping out more tracks as much as i could and i kept to the theme like uh the fall is obviously really depressing it's really dark uh there's a lot of sad songs on there and i was going through a lot in my life at the time where it was easy to just put that material out and it took me a while to finish the rise part because uh i was such i was in such a funk with the fall like i was like I was latching onto emotions that I'd forgotten from being 16 with my family and things going on there and uh, being kicked out and doing all that. Like, I have songs about that. I have songs about old girlfriends. I have songs about uh, all kinds of things, just different things that were happening to me. Like, that happened to everybody. Like, that, I think that's why a lot of people hear those songs and they're like, uh, this is an awesome CD. Or, like, they, they comment on it and they're like, this, yeah. is, this is good material. I can really relate to that. I've had people, like, message me and they're like... Uh, uh, man, you really helped me get through my day today. Like, that's I got awesome. This. I'm like, in that, I'm like, whoa, okay. Like, I didn't realize that was gonna happen when I was making the material. I was just like making stuff based on what was happening to me and not thinking about how it would affect other people or if they could relate. And I didn't really care about that at the time. I was more just 
in my own bubble like well that that's the best thing though is yeah. is when once you get rid of any preconceived notions of what it should be mm-hmm. and you, you're able to uh, really just open yourself up to the process the more you reveal of yourself really yeah. the more people start to respond that's what i found out because i you know you get those same comparisons for a long time and then when i after the illusionist and i started doing solo stuff i thought you know this is just going to be purely autobiographical yeah. you know 90 percent of it and 10 percent of it i'm just going to you know yeah 90 percent of it's about flexing, me you know the, the whole both cds like yeah two cds worth of crap about me like how can i be that interesting like when i talk about myself <laughs> like when i talk about myself just regular talking not rapping or anything like i feel like there's nothing to talk about like i'm like oh there's that like i'm like there's just uh, it's, well, it's we're, stuff we're talking happens. about you today yeah, and i know you, i'm we've like scratched the surface yeah, man yeah. There's, there's a lot yeah, i can tell yeah um and but then when you make the songs it feels more important i, I don't know it somehow feels like you got something out of your system like you did because it's uh, easy to hold on to those things or like if you have resentment with people that maybe you can't work it out with that person face to face yeah you know like i've had a rift with my dad for a couple of years and to be able to put a song about it on my newest record um and and just write all that down even the act of writing it felt yeah. good but then to perform it and put it out into the world you know and I don't get a lot of feedback on that song because mm-hmm. I don't perform it and there wasn't a single or anything. But, but you know, when I do, it's like, okay, I'm glad I'm not alone in that, yeah. you know? And, and, and it kind of helps you work through it just by hearing that from other people, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember the, the most important song to make on that whole project was uh, on the fall, and it was called Lost. And I did that song... Uh, the night after I had a huge breakup blowout with the, a girl and it was the first time I'd ever took control of a situation the way I did. And I, I kind of, I booted her out on the street. I packed up her bags. I took everything off the wall, put it in trash bags. I didn't even bother to throw her things neatly. You know, like I was, I threw it out on the front lawn. I told her to get the, the get the fuck out of my life. Yeah. Like I, I just, I can't handle you. And then, uh, that night I wrote a song and it was lost. And I was like, uh, I was just, I was overflowing with emotion and I just needed to write that song or I was, I, I was in such a bad place. It was just dark. There was thoughts. Like I was just like, I, I can't take life anymore. Like I was just, I hate everything. Like I just, I was so upset because like it, just the circumstances of everything and how it went. And, uh, I lost a best friend out of the deal. Like a guy that, uh, was teaching me music, like was teaching me how to do all this stuff. Uh, there was a, it was just a dark situation. There was two songs on that CD that came from that situation, Sick and Lost. Sick is kind of part two to Lost. And, okay. Uh, Sick was about the best friend who, you yeah. know, cl- clearly he slept with the girlfriend and everything. And it was just finding out all this stuff and uh, registering those emotions. And I felt if, if I hadn't been able to write music... If yeah. I didn't know how to write music, I don't know what I would have done. I don't know how I would have coped with that. I might have gone crazy. I might have lost my mind. Like, because I felt like when I wrote it out, it's gone. Like, that's how I operate. Like, I feel yeah. when I write a song, like I can take thoughts that I've been thinking about for ten years and 
uh, a situation that really bugged me that happened 10 years ago. But if I re make a song about it, like it's no longer going to bug me anymore. I, I took care of it. You know, like that's how I feel about music. Like it's like a, a dumpster for all my emotions and my thoughts. Like, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I totally get that, man. And, and I think in this particular circumstance, talking about being able to write almost in the moment, mm -hmm. you know, of, uh, you know, in the aftermath of this craziness going, uh, you know, what yeah. the fuck do I do? I mean, you're almost in a, in a panic and, and sometimes I find that it's, it's really hard to write in those situations yeah. because, um, I was crying while I was writing yeah, the lost. You're, you're I was writing lost and I'm crying. Like I was like, you know, like just going away on this song, playing this beat. And I'm like, I didn't even know what to say. I'm just bawling for a verse. And, and then, there's nothing and then gangster out, yeah, about there's, there's nothing uh, good a about grown that. man crying yeah, it's on disgusting. a keyboard, <laughs> it's disgusting. you know, but, but, but you know what? <laughs> That's what we're yeah. talking about. You yeah. don't have to be. You can yeah. do it your own way. I and when you put out that shit, that's real and yeah. people are going to respect that. It ended up being, I feel like, one of the most powerful songs uh, emotionally on that CD. Because like, I, I wrote those and I got them out and then I was just like... Uh, uh, yeah, those are good songs. And then I recorded a video after everything was like kind of settled and I got it out of my system and I recorded a video of me. Uh, I sang the chorus and rapped the first verse and I posted the video online just to even see if people would get a reaction out of it because I doubted myself after I wrote the song. I was like, should I even put this song out? I, I do that a lot with personal tracks. Yeah, I was like, this yeah. I was like, this song is really personal. Like it's not gonna, I, I, I felt like it wasn't gonna reach anybody. I felt like, uh, I was like, if I put this out it's gonna be silly like people are gonna be like oh like oh you got in a bad relationship get the fuck over no dude I, I get it like, like my, my most intimate like <laughs> moments on record i always have played for a close yeah. friend and be like is this too much or is this like off the rails and they're like no this is great yeah. put this out like <laughs> yeah. people will want to hear this yeah you know? i put i put the video out of me just rapping the chorus and the verse and then the response was huge like there was just a ton of people like i can't remember how many but there was this and comments like the thing that stood out about that song when i posted that video was that yeah. uh nobody ever comments on shit nobody ever talks online anymore it's like it's like online. except to argue yeah except to argue like and then uh so i put this video out and there was like n like 90 some comments or something wow. like that and i was like whoa and all these people were like this is a great song this is crazy oh my god so emotional and like shares yeah. and and then i was like what like this is the song like out of every like i've made you know 60 70 tracks by this time and i'm yeah. like this is the one <laughs> and i i was doubting that and then i was but then i saw the reaction and i put it on the cd and it made the cut and sick dude that that just goes to show man like we don't necessarily <laughs> even know yeah. our own music our opinions how don't really matter how it's reaching people as far as people who listen like yep uh our job is to make the music and then their job is to interpret it's not yeah. our job to interpret our own shit most of the time and and okay so let's go back to message board critiques yeah. right yeah. so if somebody's commenting on your shit man if i now, posted that on that message board that song <laughs> yeah right. i would have got torn apart <laughs> yeah like they would have destroyed me like yeah but but like <laughs> i'm just thinking about okay so um you know, you're starting out, you're getting um, critique that's mm -hmm. whatever. So you're overanalyzing every little thing. Yeah. You know, it helps you grow and, and, and learn um, the craft and, and find your, your voice in it. And so mm -hmm. you're doing it for a while. And, you know, now, uh, you know, you or I put out a video and you get some nice comments and you get one guy that's like, don't quit your day job, yeah. fuckers, yeah. you know. And it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, stung a little bit, it's okay. And then uh, when you get... These kind of reactions, though, where where 
people actually uh, really take something from it, mm-hmm. that's almost um, in the same way that, not that it's going to change what you do in the future, but it's going to make you more available in your head to going in those kind of d- dark yeah. corners yeah. sometimes or going in those vulnerable exactly. positions that maybe you don't <laughs> want like to be a public part of your yeah. persona really, yeah. but but it's going to make that um, maybe a little bit more enticing next time that you you're more feel open that to way. doing it yeah you you're know? like when something dark happens then you're like oh time to write like, like <laughs> yeah. as opposed yeah. to last time where like you were barely on the edge and you didn't know if you should write or not you're like oh i don't know like if i should even write about this i don't feel that way like i just gotta sit here and stew on my emotions and then then you start writing it and you're like oh this feels so much better like i just it just yeah felt like and it, and the biggest thing is if it's honest yeah that comes through you know, I haven't had uh, bad experiences very much since then, which is funny. Like, yeah, I've had a lot of like life's been looking up. I have nothing that I can really complain about. Like, and I appreciate everything in my life right now. And I'm like at this point where like uh, I'm almost struggling to write about sad things. But the most popular songs I have are sad songs. Yeah. So like, it you can't force yourself to write a sad song, you know, like if you're not sad. Definitely, yeah. And uh, uh, <laughs> there, there was a line in a, a Blueprint song. Um, actually, okay, I'm going to quote Blueprint quoting st- Sting, basically. No, yeah. <laughs> he, said, he said that uh, he watched this interview with Sting where uh, most artists like to paint with black. Yeah. But a lot of people listen to us to escape from that. And yeah. I'm paraphrasing what he said, but... Um, that it's basically saying not to forget to show the mm. other sides of your life in the song um because there's kind of a, there's there's usually a place for all of it and um you know like with bamboo fortunes that's your latest yeah. right um and you're a new father mm-hmm. and you know i i think that that could open some doors yeah. for you to keep growing there's a lot as a of things happening in my life that are positive and it's weird almost to write a positive song at this yeah. point like where i was where i was for years just uh writing sad things like even before i was writing rap i was writing sad poetry like yeah. i was writing just i was depressed i was just it was a this is a really dark time well that's your event <laughs> yeah you know yeah and so i would it would, the the writing was a tool to get that out of your system where it's almost, I don't know if you agree, but if it, it's almost more, uh, it's, it's better for an artist to relieve yourself of pain than it is to write about a happy song. Sometimes like you can force out a happy song and cause that's the way you're feeling now in life. But the relief also feels good. The relief of some negative energy, like, so when I'm writing a song, I relieve all that negative energy and it goes away. And then I'm like, oh, like I feel better now. Yeah. And so feeling better and coming out of a negative situation, it almost feels better to execute that song than it does to execute than a song. Than it does to just continue yeah. being happy. And it's <laughs> fucked up. Like, it's I've, it's fucked I've been up. accused by my parents that I have, at, well, my stepdad, Steve, in particular, um, has accused me a number of times of uh, kind of wallowing in, like if, <laughs> yeah. like if if things are going wrong for me you know i have a tendency to be depressed and, and to an go artist. down the, the the rabbit hole kind of and he has pointed that out to me sometimes when i'm at my lowest it's like dude i know what you're doing i've seen you do this a million times like 
You know, yeah. you feel that the whole world is fucked and you're, everything's yeah. hopeless and whatever because you know that if you keep falling, you're going to fucking write something about it and, yeah. and you know, and get it out and, and just write you know, your fucking and you'll make and something. It. You know, but, but it's kind of that point of the like, you know, why are you torturing yourself? And I don't see it that way in the moment, but maybe on some level I am. I don't know. It's like feeling um, your emotions at like a hypersensitive level. Like you're like, you're feeling every bit of the emotion. You want to feel it till it's run to the dirt and it's over with. It's like you grabbed it and yeah. you put it under a microscope and you want to see all the different yeah. levels well, of my sadness right yeah. now. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> let me show you exactly what it's like. And then, yeah. and then a lot of people relate to that because every motherfucker on the planet's been sad. Like yeah. every motherfucker on the planet's been dumped or gone through a bad relationship or something. Like, yeah. uh, well, not everyone, but you know, like but there's it's it's an easy topic when you look at it from an outside perspective like we overanalyze it and we look at it like yeah it's my situation it happened to me this is it but but when you look at it from a broad like point of view you're like well everybody has really gone through this and that's why everybody likes it you know that's why it's universal yeah. yeah i mean i i will say though on the contrary that for the positive songs um you know, from the time I was like 12 years old um, up until my mid-20s, I had only written, I mean, basically angry or defiant kinds of songs. You know, yeah. punk rock, hardcore, and even my rap was really aggressive. Um, and and there was, it's very rare that I would stray from that, maybe for a, a sad acoustic song or something like yeah. that, you know. But I pretty much would only write when I was angry or depressed. And... When the Illusionists were making our Death of a Salesman album, that was like a three-year arc, basically. It was a long process. And um, originally that album was all about the most horrible parts of our life at that time, centered around this workplace. And uh, I got Christoph Crane to be on the song that I I wanted to be kind of the silver lining of the record. Yeah. Where, because... It was six months after Idea died, and it's fitting that we're talking about this right now because uh, I'm about to go to his his five year yeah, birthday I saw that. I saw celebration. That was going down. Yeah, yeah, in a couple of days, um, I actually fly out like four in the morning tomorrow or tonight. <laughs> oh, wow. But um, but so so we have Christoph um, who was going through this time in his life where he just lost a very very close friend and was trying to kind of rebuild his situation. And um, I saw parallels in that with uh you know my own situation of just you know i had i had lost my focus in life my bands had fallen apart you know basically my tired life's dream had crashed and burned you know and i was trying to find a new way and now here's chris trying to find a new way and so i i pitched the idea to him and he uh he wrote a song it ended up being quite literally about michael Larson idea and um and their relationship and his passing and um and called it not alone and it totally changed the direction of like my first verse is intact the way that it was and it's basically yeah. saying that like you know I I feel like I'm spiraling spiraling out of control but you know put a mic in front of me and I can do something with it you know yeah and I can stop took, myself from crashing yeah, yeah and then he took that um, to a, a really raw personal place, and um, 
and then I had one more verse to write. And I remember the day that I got yeah. that verse from him, um, I was so inspired. I got it at work, and I listened to it, and I, I literally like cried when I heard it. It was just amazing, and and you know I, I had recently made friends with Idea as well, and so it was just uh, you know for, for many reasons. He, yeah. Well, he was the one who introduced me to Christoph Crane. So, mm-hmm. for many reasons, it was just an emotional moment. And I'm at work, stressed out of my mind, and I hear this, and it was just such a beautiful thing. So, then I go home, um, and I have a sliver of time between when I get off and the band members show up for practice. And yeah. I remember just playing it on repeat, and I wrote the whole second verse right there. And it was the first time in a rap that I ever wrote Stream of Consciousness. And I didn't, like, piece together you know one-liners or whatever that i had come up with yeah and and i wrote the whole thing right there in one piece and it was the most optimistic thing that that i had ever written basically yeah um and i've i've read that piece for like family or or for this 80 year old rabbi that i befriended at my old job (laughs) he always wanted to hear my music and i was like you can't I'm. It's too much. I'm sorry. You know. Did and you I, uh, Did you write this in your book? I may have written about it in the or book. Maybe yeah. you told yeah, me. I about probably wrote it. about it in the you, book. I think we yeah. may have talked about this at um, the triangle, or you, either that, or I read it in your book. But yeah, I did mention uh, him in the book. But yeah, yeah. I, I I read it the to rabbi. him. Uh, yeah, I read it to him, <laughs> Hanan, and uh, his. I mean, he just hugged me instantly. It was like yeah. that's amazing. It's incredible, and and I thought, I, I don't have to go through that yeah. every time to write a song it doesn't have to go you know in that negative direction every time and you know through that i was able to write like a song about my marriage and and uh you know other things that all of are a sudden you more... knew how to write that type of song yeah, yeah. it took me that long yeah. to learn how and and once i had that skill it it was just invaluable and um i uh i feel like i i that was a very long-winded way of telling that story but <laughs> but um it really took me a long time to get around to that realization, that kind of epiphany as a songwriter who's been doing yeah. it one way for so long. It's funny because I, I don't know how to write the the way you're used to writing that, uh, where you fit in bars, how you said you piece them together. Oh, yeah. oh, well, well, back in the day, I would write, you know, I'd sit down and write a bunch of stuff, but then I would. Um, just pull out my notebook in my pocket yeah. and go, oh, I'll just tack this four on the end or something. I watched the Eminem documentary. He yeah. writes the same way. He writes like one-liners, one-liners on just his hand and pieces of paper, and then he adds them all together at the end of the day. You know? Yeah, I've, I've carried a notebook in my pocket since I was 13, yeah. and um, I, I write down little ideas. Sometimes it's a whole song. Like Vacant Eyes, I wrote the whole song just yeah. at work in my, in my pad, but... It's I, a, it's a cool way to write a song to me because like, it's like putting together a puzzle more than a... And then you come out with this complete like project yeah. at the end, like yeah, it's, it's interesting. And and yeah. I I didn't I, I don't mean to say that I solely did it that way, but that was one of the first times in my life where I wrote on you know on a topic, yeah, and not just some out, bullshit and it bars, came out just fluent, yeah. But where sit down to write a topic, do it front to back in five minutes or something, and yeah, and go holy shit. And I you know read and it for it the guys up, when they're showing yeah. up to the house, like hey dude, uh, what do you think of this, you know. Um, then and, it opened all those doors to write more. Yeah, like, and like yeah. all my that was the last Illusionist album, and and almost all of my solo music since then has been directly inspired from that moment because it's almost all 
stream of consciousness. It's like a healing and, kind of way to write too. It's, yeah, and yeah. and like I, the way that I um, refine it is to go back and do those revisions. Yeah, um, and and make sure that um, everything is syllabically sound and and that if you're that your word choice is maximizing the potential of the rhyme scheme and things yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but instead of worrying about that, as I'm p- putting each line together, I'm way more about getting it out now yeah. and going back and doing that stuff later. So yeah, um, it definitely changed the way that I write forever. That's awesome. I, I, it's, uh, I've met so many different people that write so many different ways and it's crazy. Like how different everybody really is. Like people think of, artists and they think they all do it the same way or something sometimes like i feel like a fan doesn't really uh a lot of the times they don't they don't think about how different everybody is and how it comes off like it's it's uh it's all on experience too like whatever something you go through can change everything and the way you do it the way you do it the what you say how you say it like it's it's an awesome way to look at everything and it's a constant evolution too and if yeah. it's not then maybe stop yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you know? yeah. like yeah. If, if if you're not getting to a new place like this year was weird for me because i did i put out famous last words and then turn around and uh, which you were on and yeah. then turned around and did the remix album where i rewrote most of the songs lyrics and um it's kind of weird to do two albums back to back where like everything sounds different but it's thematically it's the same the same yeah you know and, I did and that so yeah you're, you're putting yourself the... back in that headspace and you're you know it's it's almost like you were to write a third and a fourth verse on the same song mm-hmm. basically but i was trying to make tie-ins to those original verses and replace them and yeah. it, it's a different kind of process but it was a fun challenge to you know, sit down and tear it apart, rebuild it, and go. Oh shit, it's better now. <laughs> so, what was your what was your ultimate reason for doing that? Like, why did you uh, your vacant like vacant eyes to famous last words? Like, what um, what was the reason for duplicating it? Did you feel it was going to be better afterwards, or just a different way to make it? Or it's you always, wanted to work with someone else? Like, it, it's always something I was curious about. Um, I, I really, first of all, I like the idea of, of a one producer album yeah. because I hadn't done that. Like by the end of the Illusionists. We were four members. When we yeah. started, we were two, MC and a producer. Mm-hmm. So even by the end of The Illusionist, I had strayed from the one producer, one MC on the album format. And I wanted to go back to that. Because um, like my first solo album was um, three producers. You know? yeah. And to me, that's a lot. And so I, wanted, I, I uh, had toured with KI Design. I really liked his music. And, you know, we were good friends, and, and so we decided to do it um, like that. Yeah. And with Bacon Eyes, it was like uh, I'd always toyed around with the idea of remixes. A couple people had asked me about before, and I was like, nah, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really have a... Like, if somebody asked me to do a song, my first question is usually, like, if they're implying that it's not going to be, like, will you be on my record mm-hmm. or something? If it's open-ended, then I'll say, well, what for? For what project? Yeah. You know, like, because... I'm I'm results oriented person, you know. I yeah. want to have if I if I'm going to go through the spend the time and 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 sweat and tears on a record, I want to have it in my it. hands. Yeah, what is, you know, <laughs> I want to have it on my record collection. Yeah. You know? So if I don't have that, then it's like I'm not just going to make a song. Yeah. What am I going to do with it? So I had famous last words, and I thought, you know, uh, it's eight songs. Mm-hmm. It's a 
you know, the length of a punk rock record, basically. And I was thinking, you know, if, if there was ever a time, I don't have any deadlines right now. I have nothing really coming up urgently. Yeah. Um, and I played the show with Fashion and Exile. And I played with Fashion before, but Exile wasn't there. Yeah. That guy is fucking incredible. <laughs> and yeah. um, when I walked off stage, I had just done Nobody Gives a Fuck, uh, or, or Famous Last Words. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original version and it was like a couple weeks before that came out yeah and all the dudes on that tour uh were like dude that last song was so good i'm like wow that awesome like we were playing a (laughs) kind of shitty little show you know and so to get that props afterward was great and exile at the end of the night goes yo can you email me that track (laughs) Uh, oh yeah and i'm like what yeah (laughs) and so i just asked him i was like man i i've like (laughs) <laughs> like your guy's last album that you made, you know, yeah. in '09 or whatever, was like the reason Death of a Salesman existed. Like, man, like you, you guys helped me through some shit. Like, if you want to listen to my shit, I have to ask you, would you remix it? Hell and yeah. he said yes. And so I went, it's on. I'm gonna do this album because yeah. <laughs> I had been toying with the idea like that week, and um. Once he said yes, I thought, "Fuck, let's let's just so do it." So a big it. part of it was to let's work with it. him and get it get that going and get his interpretation of it all right. Like, yeah, 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 because I uh, if I was gonna do it, I wanted to do like um, Carnage is a good example of a guy who did when he does a remix, um, he doesn't just give the song to the producer and mm-hmm. put the old vocals over it. He he rewrites everything and it's still you know yeah. thematically sound. Like he did a, a year anniversary of respect the name yeah the album and and the whole thing was like a mixtape using like same samples but flipped differently and you know new rhymes or or like old verse new chorus new new verse new chorus you know like just flipping everything up (laughs) and it was really interesting and um actually recently I, i realized who the first person i heard did that and now i can't think of who it was Oh, Aesop Rock. Yeah, it was Aesop Rock, Daylight, Nightlight. But, um, yeah, I'd always kind of been interested in in doing something like that. And once I got his yes, I thought, well, fuck, there's been a lot of producers on my wish list for a while now Yeah, that I've wanted to make something with. So, you know, let's see who I can get. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a few that I, I didn't get this time that, you know, Maybe my next solo album, I'll, I'll have to re- resume that conversation, you know? But, uh, like, Factor is one who, we had talked about it mm. um, last minute. I was like, hey, one of these guys is slacking. If I need you, like, right now, can you do it? And he's like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to give this guy one more week. And the guy came through, so no so, Factor. Yeah, no Factor. <laughs> You're <laughs> but, like, darn it. <laughs> but, yeah, man, like, and, and you know, it, it was, like, Sapient is a guy I'd wanted to work with for a long time. Yeah, like, man, I've, I've done, like, four shows with him now, and I always have wanted to work with him. I just, it's partially, like, intimidation, I guess, <laughs> like, because I'm, I'm intimidated by him because I feel like he's super talented. Like, I feel like he's just, like, above me like when i when i talk to him like when i i'm like this guy is just so good at what he does he plays plays instruments he sings he raps like he's on his you know uh his he's on his citizen cope one second and then he's on on his uh uh hip-hop like diehard roots like 
dope ass rhyme schemes. Like everything's super sick. Like uh, he's part of the Sam people. Like I feel like he's just got this like long list of credentials that makes me go like intimidated when I'm like, and I don't really feel that way about a lot of people. But that's funny, man. Like uh, he was he was the first uh, local rapper I ever saw. Yeah, I was in freshman year, I think, of Mm -hmm. high school, and he played in in our student lounge um, on lunchtime or something. Uh, and it was right around when I was getting into rhyme stairs and stuff. And I was like, wow, this exists like in my town. That's pretty cool. And then, you know, this is, this is when his first album came out, Dry Puddles. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, seeing him go off and do Debaser and then you know, like some big things was, is, you know, Sam People and, and all of that is pretty cool. Like I've, I've known him at arm's length, you know, yeah. I wouldn't say we're friends or anything, but like. You know, we've run into each other a number of times. He lives out here in Eugene for now, a lot right? of years. Yeah, he's back here now. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, last year, I think it was after. Yeah, at the end of the Bears repeating tour, um, me and Ogar drove like sixteen hours back home or something to open for him. Right after our tour had ended, yeah, up here, and so that was the first time I'd seen him in years. And and was kind of reacquainted with his music and thought, man, this guy is still really fucking killing it. And yeah. like, I never see him around. And you know, it's like we're part of two different scenes in the same area. Like, I got to do a track with this guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt like that with a lot of people. Where it's like, dude, we're we're, uh, you know, we cross paths yeah. and and we're both kind of doing the same thing in our own way, like. It's almost intimidating to me because I wouldn't know what type of track to do with him. Like, I feel like Mm. we're on a different wavelength. Okay, here's here's the thing that was the challenge Uh, about Vacant Eyes. Normally, you're writing songs. You vaguely know that they're going to be part of one project, you know. mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you can reorganize them. You can cut something. You can add something, whatever. But with the remix album, it's the same track order. Yeah. Or at least that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting there with my list of songs and my list of producers drawing lines from one side to the other going, okay, who is best for this song? <laughs> now, second part is who is best for this song and will fit together with the guy who's doing the next song. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So like I had to take both of those things into account and actually come up with some kind of flow and... I mean, there's a moment, I would say, where it feels like a remix album, a transition. Mm-hmm. Like, I could, I'm not going to say where I feel that <laughs> happened, but it happened. Yeah. But um, trying to plan all these different people to line up next to each other was kind of a fun challenge. Yeah. Um, because I thought, you know, like, oh, he would work really well. You know, like, DeRaza would work really well coming after Exile. And then I was thinking, like, all right, now who's going to work next to uh, Sapien? And who's going to next work next to Graves? And, yeah. uh, and that, that was a fun, a fun process of, of not just choosing the right song. Because that's another thing I've learned with collaborations, man. Yeah. Like, I've got to work with a lot of people who are on my record shelf. But um, sometimes, like early on, I would hit somebody up and be like, hey, I got this song. You know, um, did you want to do, do something? And we they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, send it over. I'm totally interested. And, you know, check it out. 
and you know maybe they'll pass on it and i'll go um, oh shit and then it, and then i'll think like <laughs> yeah I've i was that. so <laughs> eager like like maybe the opportunity presented itself like oh i played a show with so-and-so and we had a great talk after the show you know and like we traded information or something mm-hmm. and I, I was like oh sweet and then i go home and g- dig through my you know material that hadn't come out yet and be like all right mm-hmm. what do i have that's on my upcoming album that you know i could fit him on yeah. you know like that's kind of how i would think and about it, it early on because i was so excited yeah. and and yeah it didn't um it didn't ever work out well that way um that's another thing i learned from christoph crane because he was one of the people the first thing i sent him he asked me to change a thing about it, and I was like, "Absolutely not. We'll yeah. just, we'll do it another time," you know. Yeah. And that was my pride, but um, but it helped me see, like, okay, why is this person on this song? You know, <laughs> I, I I was on my uh, I had the Northwest Monthly mentality long before we came up with Northwest Monthly, like, and started doing that. Uh, but I I made this. Uh, album called into the unknown and the premise of the album was that the unknown represents all the unknown artists that i'd met already like okay so it was like my third or fourth project i can't remember uh what the order was but uh i did i think we ended up doing 20 tracks for that album and out of 20 tracks i bet 18 of them had features yeah and it was a nightmare that was the biggest yeah we we did one like that called blowing up the bandwagon where every song i think maybe minus a couple had a feature and that was the the plan and god damn it is it hard they they massacred like just the features uh uh ruin how me liking the project really you know like because i worked with anybody at that time in my life where i was like i was like i'll just do a song with everybody that's how you do it right like i was like because everybody else has clearly been in hip-hop longer than i have and that's i'm new here opposite of how people who've like made a name for through collabs yeah that's the opposite of how you do it because they are putting themselves on Mm -hmm. those other people's records yeah for me not putting all those random people on his record (laughs) yeah for me i saw all these like i just met uh 40 new hip hop artists in the last uh, four months, you know, and yeah. I'm like, I'm like, fuck, let's, uh, let's just make a song with all these guys. <laughs> like, uh, that, that's the new, that's the new, like good set tonight. Yeah. That's the new good set. It's like, it's like, Hey man, that was nice. Want to collab? Like what? 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 Yeah. yeah like, like the, there's, there's no more like, you're oh, great. Can we do a song? Yeah. <laughs> like, that, it's, it's always that it's the, the, the handshake to the, yeah. um, what's your phone number? Yeah. What's your email? <laughs> there, there's songs Here's I regret. Here's my SoundCloud. There's songs I regret making from that album, and <laughs> and I I will openly say that I I was an experimental project. It was it was it was completely me trying to, like, I people around me. I'm still new to the scene, and b- people are bitching that the scene's not unified and that people don't like each other and blah blah blah. And you know, I was like, well, why don't we all just work together? You're like, hey, it's not that hard. Let's <laughs> like, do it. You fucking idiots. Like, let's yeah. <laughs> let's make an album together. <laughs> And then I, I come up with this project and I'm on every song and I I added all these people that did not fit with me on music like like we weren't on the same wavelengths and and sometimes I'd get a verse from someone else because they'd start the song and start the vibe of it yeah and then it was my turn to write and I didn't know what to write because yeah, I didn't like, like what I play I off of that shit. I didn't like what they did like and I was yeah. like ah. so I forced out a lot of different verses on that project and then there was. There was one case where uh, <laughs> this guy, 
me and him were talking and we wanted to do a song together and we knew each other from uh random connections and stuff and he's from southern california and i was like uh okay send me up a verse for this track and he sent me this verse and i was like what the fuck this verse is just messed up like it doesn't sound good and then i hit him up and i was like are you sure that's the verse you want to submit like i was like because i wasn't really happy with it and it was offbeat and i didn't know it was wrong and i was like okay so we'll just put it out how it is i guess because i like i'm a good guy and i i'm like let's let's just uh put it out as is and then i put it out and he heard the track and he was like shit i sent you the wrong verse oh my god i sent you a verse that i made for someone else and so that's why it didn't match up it was offbeat i was like this is terrible are you sure you want this like i was like and so we ended up pressing uh, 200 copies and putting out this project that had this guy's wrong verse on it and i felt bad about the whole situation but i was like i also didn't feel bad because i hit him up and asked him are you sure like and it just didn't go through and he'll know who he is when he hears this but it, it was just it's not even his fault entirely because i was just i was just so gung-ho on getting the project out where i was like uh yeah i I was accepting anything i wasn't i wasn't being critical of my own projects i wasn't i didn't care what the lineup was i didn't care how the track sounded together like it's just a mess when you listen to the project front to back like and that's that's a lesson you you have to learn the hard way about quality (laughs) control is you know whether you let that that mix that's good enough pass through or you let that Mm -hmm. guy's verse that's i guess good enough pass through you know I, I had a very similar situation with a, a, a professional who I had opened for yeah. who uh, <laughs> sent me a verse and it it just did not I I was like I, I we're writing two different songs here. I mm-hmm. I really respect you, I look up to you, I listen to you. Yeah. I can't put this out. So I'm just gonna put that in your court like however you wanna resolve this yeah i can't release what you just gave me because it doesn't make any sense and um and <laughs> and it's contrary to some of the things i'm saying yeah you know without getting too specific but like it says some things i don't believe in and it doesn't make any musical sense with you know the the whole song that you're just fitting into yeah. and so uh he sent me um uh, he kind of owned up to it. it. Was like, you know what? I listened to it one time and I crapped that out. And yeah. you called me on it, and I respect that. And he's like, I'm gonna rewrite it right now. And if you don't like this, I'll rewrite it again, and I'll rewrite it again until you're happy. Oh. And I'm like, all right. And then that's when I kind of learned, all right, I'm not gonna let that shit slide. Yeah, you don't have you to. Know? That first year, like, you're like, well, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. But then yeah. you got to remember, it's your fucking project. You exactly. Know? Like, it's not somebody else's. You invited this guy on the track. Because and he's going to forget about it. Yeah. You felt he would make the song better. If if he didn't make the song better, then you can call him out on that. And like, But you always... Everybody's too scared of offending each other. And then it's just... Uh, it gets... And if you do... If it, people's feelings get hurt really easy, too. Well, yeah, because you're... I mean, when you're an artist, you're opening yourself yeah. up a lot. And yeah. so it's you're very exposed yeah. when someone turns around and goes what the fuck is this shit you know your, your feelings are crap you can't do that <laughs> yeah you can't do that and so like and i've also learned to give very specific instructions to people because if you don't um like okay here's a good example mm. on the new album vacant eyes i have the rap god casual yeah from fucking hieroglyphics yeah <laughs> and that was a big deal to me because we played with him um uh, it was me and the illusionist and Ogar Burl, and it was one of the 
most incredible things I've ever seen. It was like uh, seeing Micah 9 for the first time. It's just, this guy is from another fucking planet. He truly <laughs> is worthy of Man, that name. I've missed that you guy's know. performances like three times now. Yeah, he's <laughs> astounding. And so um, uh, he hit me up like a year after that show and was like, dude, I totally missed this email. Um, <laughs> he's like, uh, I'm sorry I missed your, your project. He's like, if, if you want to do something else, hit me up sometime. Yeah. And I was just starting this remix thing and thought, fuck, what's the, what the hell could I do next to him? Like, because whatever <laughs> the idea was, I don't remember what it was, you know, a year ago. Yeah. But now I'm thinking, God, if I got to do, if I could do something with him, it's got to be mm-hmm. something good or I'm just going to get murdered, you know? It sucks doing it that you way know? too because you got to come up with something for them at that point instead of when, normally when I, I want somebody on a track it's because while I was making this track I thought of them yeah yeah and I was that's way easier to me and if they decline it that's when like before you were saying it throws you for a loop when they don't want to be on the track yeah because then you got to look for somebody else to fill that spot and that well, sometimes song was you're not for to somebody it. else yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that song wasn't for somebody else and you didn't want to finish it in the first place you know you yeah. wanted somebody else to do it and now they can't do it but it, it's funny how that works. Well, and, and in this case, I, I thought, okay, well, I'm doing this remix album. So what do I have on yeah. deck? The only thing I have that would ever compare to Casual is, is because uh, all of his stuff's like autobiographical stories and shit, you know? So I have uh, the Rap Flow song. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to send him that. Yeah. And so <laughs> Webb had done a version of it that was kind of like disco, Paul's Boutique, kind of bouncy, fun. And I, I, I called him up and I was like, dude, I need to come over. We need to rebuild that song because Casual is going to be on it. He's like, no shit, let's fucking go. And so we did that and uh, totally made a whole new version of it. And I sent it to him. And this is what I mean about instruction because I, uh, I sent to him and he was like, and I, I was wondering what he was going to say because it's a little faster tempo than you're used to hearing like on a high row kind yeah. of track. And he's like, dude, this is the shit. This is super fun. I'm already like working on ideas he's like you know give yeah. me a few days I'm, I'm gonna have some fun with this and if you listen to what he did um the amount of styles and different flows and cadences that he uses um it would be a long list and yeah. he really does have fun with it and, and play with it um but uh like he's saying he has lines that are like um talking about uh robin banks or stores or whatever yeah. you know like robbing liquor stores and and go into the club and spend yeah. you know the money that they just stole and uh <laughs> uh shit like that and 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 you know at one point says uh uh sammy warm hands the hoe hitter and i was listening to it on my phone and i was like I was like, oh, he shouted me out. And I'm, I'm like reacting over like what he said about me, you know? And I listen to it in a parking lot while my car's, while my van's getting fixed up for tour. And I'm like, oh, shit, he, like he shouted me out. That's awesome. And I didn't hear the hoe hitter part. You know, I was like, this is the crisis of conscious guy, and now I'm the hoe hitter. The hoe hitter. But I, I, I played it for Ogar Burl, and I was like, hey, what do you think about this? Because I, I didn't really give him any like direction other than like, let's just get lyrical and fucking you know murder this yeah. and and he's like no dude i think it's awesome because it's the two of you 
coming like because i got weird lines you know my farts even stink outside and like yeah. you know goofy sammy warm hands shit the whole hitter's he, a little more serious well but, he, yeah. but he's got his like, <laughs> like he's got his like hood fantasy shit and i've got my like you know ridiculous <laughs> dork yeah. stuff and and he's like no it's actually kind of perfect because you guys are both not trying to do the same yeah. style you're both just like doing acrobatics with your own personality and it's super fun to listen to yeah. the pairing <laughs> and, and i thought wow okay that was actually really awesome but it's also you know another learning experience because next time I'll, uh you know if i if, if i don't <laughs> want to leave it to chance you know if i if i think like wow this guy's great we played a great show right, together like but we are fundamentally different people yeah. <laughs> maybe i should bring that up going yeah. into it like like oh by the way um, let's uh, have less guns and more wordplay in this track. You know, <laughs> and also like, I don't hit hoes because I can't. <laughs> you know, like I, I would never. Like I mean, he killed it. Like I have no yeah. issue with that at all. Uh, it was just the juxtaposition of of that yeah. with it's like funny. some of the things I put out was kind of funny. If you yeah. if you're familiar with my yeah. work, that that line is funny. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, man, it's all it's all just a great. Great learning experience working with people like that. That's awesome. Um, so before we go, we went a little long today, but um, I had a great time talking yeah. to you. Um, let's talk briefly. You had the one-year anniversary of your uh, monthly in Salem. Yeah, uh, Northwest Monthly is a, a thing that we've been trying out for about a year now. <laughs> At the and Triangle. Yeah, uh, every month we throw a new show with a new set of artists on it is what we boast for it like uh i i brought a couple returning people back for a few shows and yeah you never but, asked me back what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> yeah we're gonna get you back of course but, <laughs> but we've had a it's a different set of artists every month you know like there's five or six new artists every month that the people get to get introduced to and it's the regulars at the triangle basically and we're trying to build a scene in Salem because there's just been a lack of one. And uh, I felt, I feel it's been that way since I got there, you know, like I've, I started, uh, I did my first show in Salem like three and a half years ago, my first show ever. And uh, when I did that, it was, it was kind of, there was kind of a scene there and there was a lot of different people there. And in the last three and a half years, I've seen so many people just leave the scene and they're not even working there anymore that, uh, there's not the same people aren't performing anymore. It's always a different set of people. And I figure like, uh, there's no way for these people to get exposure. Yeah. You know, like they have no platforms. There's, there's no, no consistency. Yeah. We have the KMUZ radio station. Who's kind enough to bring in guests and hosts. Yeah. And I was on there. I, yeah. And I've, I've been working with him and, uh, I've introduced him to some guys and he's introduced me to some guys to put on the monthly. Like we've traded people introductions and people we like, and he brings people on that show and I, I bring people on the monthly and, uh, there's get down, uh, DJ get down. He also works mm -hmm. with us on the monthly and he has a lot of show opportunities that happens. He runs that boom box and the boondocks that unfortunately didn't happen this year because of some craziness but, yeah uh, let's not get yeah, into that we're not gonna go into that but uh he uh he he gets a lot of people on shows and he has a lot of different festival opportunities and stuff like that and it was it's good to hook people up with him and uh introduce i i book promoters a lot people that throw their own shows and i introduce them to the sound guys we have and we basically created a system where we can barter each other's skills and and have an audience at the same time and it's kind of developed like and the year anniversary was last month and 
it went really well. It was the biggest turnout of all of them so far. Every Good. every year they get bigger, which is the goal. Like every if, every month or every every year, every every month. Yeah, <laughs> we're going for the year. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like but uh, every every month they get bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's just new faces and the constant i've been booking people that i've wanted to meet for a long time that i've heard of you know like and i'm like i wanted to perform with this guy or i wanted to even just have a conversation with this guy because i think his music's dope i want to pick his brain or whatever and so i'll book them and and we've been giving a lot of newer guys that haven't even performed yet we've had like 20 different artists that hadn't even touched a stage yet wow uh, come open up the shows you know like we we've brought in people that needed those opportunities i remember what it was like trying to get a show when oh, i yeah. first started like no one will book no you. one not, and, because and i had years of yeah. booking experience yeah. for other <laughs> other uh kinds of music and no one gave a fuck like yeah. nah you're not a rapper get out of here kids i don't like booking shows either i hate it i it's like the worst thing for me but i love meeting new artists and i love performing with new people and i love making music with new people and uh, throwing these shows every month has allowed me to do that. So I get some kind of gain out of it, you know? And the best thing is we get to pay all the artists that are on the bill a little something, uh, whether it's 20 bucks here, 40 bucks there, you know, if there's a band, we try to get them a little more money. Uh, but I mean, the bar has been really hospitable about everything and they've been working with us and it gets better and better every month. (laughs) I just, I, I couldn't ask for a better team in the team that we got there too. Like, uh, we have backup sound guys. If one of them can't do it for some reason, has an emergency or whatever, we have uh, a guy that runs everything and he, he gets the artist drinks. He he DJs. He you know who I'm talking about uh, probably uh, Davis Blake. Uh, yeah, DJ yeah, DJ Small. That guy is oh uh, just the hardest worker on this whole thing. I think yeah, super uh, super kind. He's so nice. He's very happy. enthusiastic. He's, he's all about what we're doing. Like uh, and then you got Harlan uh, DJ Johnny Blaze, which we brought him on later on, and he wasn't uh, really part of it in the beginning, but. Uh, when Get Down got busy with other stuff like Boombox and all that, uh, we needed a new sound guy, and so we found our backup in Kevin Lee and DJ Johnny Blaze, and they offered their setup, and so now we alternate, and everybody gets a, a little something, and it's just uh, it's been a, a crazy experience watching it all develop and come together because I went into it uh knowing that it might not last you know like i went out yeah it's it's a it's a dangerous (laughs) thing to try to start like oh we're gonna do an underground rap event yeah once a a month at a a small bar yeah once a month city that doesn't like hip-hop very much you know like yeah uh with people you've probably never heard of (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. every single month and that's why we make them free too because i can't stand the promoters who throw these shows where uh joe blow and joe blow and joe blow is headlining and uh they've all got uh supposedly tons of experience and all this but nobody's ever heard of the motherfuckers and they're charging twenty dollars at the door like yeah and i'm like what like why are you charging twenty dollars for a show where nobody's even nobody even knows who's on the bill and and like you're like, stoked to open for the guy yeah. but then you have to ask your friends to come pay eighteen dollars yeah. to come out and how so you, like that's not gonna work how do you and, expect the city yeah. to get exposed to hip-hop and exposed to the genre if they can't even afford to go well <laughs> and, know, like, and and to me the 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 difference there is that uh ali and the folks at at yeah. the triangle I'm, are willing I'm sad to that she's gone now she's not working at the triangle oh, anymore I didn't, but I didn't, I didn't know she that. was one of the ones who actually made this happen and that made it 
uh, possible to even get the hip hop shows booked there. Yeah, ha- having a venue that yeah. will do um, this kind of music that will be willing to pay you out of the bar so you can yeah. get people through the door. They trust that me is very to book guys that rare. aren't going to cause a ruckus, that aren't going to fucking destroy the bar, you know, that aren't going to bring fans that hurt their bar, you know. Because yeah. they're, they're all, when you approach a bar about a hip-hop show, the first thing that comes to their it's mind... like red flag. It, yeah, the first thing that comes to their mind is like, oh, my liquor's going to get smashed and nobody's going to pay for it and uh, the pool table's going to get broken. They're going to graffiti know, like, the bathroom. Yeah, like that shit's going to go down because it's a hip-hop show and that's the reputation of hip-hop. And Yeah. Uh, but getting them to actually host it was, uh, <laughs> we were grateful for that in the first place, but, uh, and it's been successful. I think in a, a year's time we had, uh, like 94 artists all together or something like that, Damn. like 94 different artists in a year's time. That's like, great, man. Yeah. And, and that, that first year is probably the hardest part of, yeah. of trying to get some momentum to, so, so to be seeing that. Um, starting to pay off, you know, that's, that's really great, man. I hope, I hope that you continue to do it. And I have a lot of respect for you and, and the guys that, that do these kind of things. Yeah. Um, This month we're trying something new. Uh, it's on, it's at the triangle in Salem as always. It's free, but it's, uh, on November 28th is the next monthly and it's going to be the 13th one month after the year. (laughs) Uh, we have, uh, subconscious culture returning and they're like a hip-hop band from uh portland and they they play all they have a whole ensemble of instruments and uh aaron miller who goes by seth uh as a rap name he's uh the front runner of that and does all the organization and that he helps run a crew called rlm which is realism entertainment uh i feel like i might have played with some of them that, that yeah the Talilo and Speaker Minds okay yeah, 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 yeah. all yeah. those guys are part of that and uh, they they've been really good to us and uh, so I brought them back and they introduced us to another band called Free Thought Takeover they're gonna come play too and then we got Watermelon Jones from yeah. Salem True Story from Salem and KI Worldwide and then after that so we're going to have those five acts play, and at the end of the night, we're going to have an hour-long open mic cipher for all the artists that want to come out and cool. be a part of it. So for an hour, we're just going to have the bands playing instrumentals for the artists to come spit over. I'll be up there regulating and making sure nobody's spitting a hot 52 or something. Yeah. But like, you know. yeah. Eight bars, people. <laughs> like, Eight bars yeah. and pass. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's going to be fun. I, I, I want to get some artists that haven't had the opportunity out and – bring them out for an hour to just come have a fun time at the end of the night after the acts. And cool. so we, we're kind of marketing the open mic thing, even though we haven't been doing that every month, but, and we probably won't do it every month. It's going to be kind of a special thing. Yeah. That, that can go two ways. Yeah. <laughs> that can go two ways. <laughs> I've seen it go very bad and I've seen it yeah. go very good. So it just depends, yeah. you know, cause it, depending on <laughs> if you do that every time your crowd might turn into, um, the couple guys yeah. just waiting for their turn. Yeah. <laughs> and then once they get on stage, scares everyone else away. Yeah. So if the guy's too bad, you got to get him off there. <laughs> yeah. In a hurry or you're going to lose. Crowd leaves. Yeah. yeah. You're hemorrhaging fans <laughs> yeah. out the door. All right. Well, well, before we wrap up, you got a show coming up here in Eugene. Yes. Uh, at the granary on the 21st as a pizza place. Is it? I've never been there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They, um, I think it's not all ages though. It's, uh, correct. It's like a 21 and up pizza place or something. <laughs> yeah. Cause there's, there's a, a restaurant area upstairs 
and through the same entrance you can walk downstairs into the bar which is the venue yeah um so yeah it's a pretty cool little place right on uh i got a guy named rxn prescription he's uh he goes by simon in real life but he's a he's he was kind enough to hit me up and I invited him on a couple shows and he's kind of returning the favor and getting me out here. And I haven't done very much in Eugene. So I wanted, and I know some people out here that I haven't got to perform for that I grew up with back in Toledo and they live out here now. So I was trying to get something going out here just to come and do something for the crowds (laughs) that I haven't seen, you know, like, so, uh, but yeah, we got that one on the 21st over at the granary. Cool. That's a good little spot. And, um, I'll, I'll make sure that this airs before then so yeah, people yeah, can yeah. hear the, the <laughs> plug. And, uh, yeah, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, thanks, man. Good talk. <laughs> anything else you need to shout out? You got anything, a uh, 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 video coming up, a record, anything like that? Well, I just dropped a video called The Killer featuring a guy named Elton Cray out of Portland. Uh, super cool video. It's kind of about uh, being a killer at your craft and uh, – being really good at what you do but you don't necessarily execute yourself that way like you don't carry yourself like you're the best like you know you're capable but you don't have to you don't have to be a killer to be the killer you know like uh, cool so how, yeah. how can they find it uh that's on youtube it's on youtube.com slash that kid cry uh, i have a website that kid cry.com cool you can find my music on soundcloud i have a new album or mixtape uh and an album. The mixtape's coming in December. Album's coming out uh, next year sometime. But uh, the mixtape is mostly done. I've got features like Logic One. Uh, we're got, we got a singer Fahari on it. <clears throat> lots of different, lots of different vibes on it. It's gonna be a different project completely from what I've already done. I, that's what I try to do with every project. It's yeah. kind of execute a different thing because I, I get bored. You know, yep. I get bored. I can't just do the same thing over and over. But this one's got a lot of upbeat elements to it more jazzy stuff uh in the same vein as kind of uh bamboo fortunes but more upbeat less sad less dark uh but yeah that'll be out sometime in december and we're almost done with it cool man well i'll look forward to it yeah man and uh i'm gonna let i'm gonna let everybody hear the song we did together on famous last words here in a minute so all right thanks man wow god damn Great conversation. Great human being. I'm going to leave you guys with a track. That Kid Cry and Sammy Warm Hands. Beat produced by KI Design. It's called Before Doors Open. You'd be surprised to see the other side of the grind I find I'm only on stage part of the time While the rest has been writing, organizing, recording, booking, designing, ordering shirts, promoting and getting signs Last thing on my mind, especially while on tour Spent the whole day driving, I'm living it up and surviving Finally arriving, not even seeing a flyer or poster Getting fired up, gotta find the promoter Making sure we get the guarantee before doors open Or be worried all night, distracted Hoping that we move a lot of merch at the table so we can eat I've got bills left at home, working three days a week Isn't cutting it, on one hand i'm really loving it but on the other i don't have the funds to be fronting it and trust when i say the saddest part of the day isn't only being homesick putting away seven cds and three different shirts from the merch booth without having sold a single thing is the worst dude the walk
mark of shame It hurts learning a lesson but get the details in writing No second guessing because if I leave this Depleted the next day Find a Motel 6 after some time to rest Late checkouts are the best Since we left too early Walk around bullshitting It's been the little we're earning Now we're back to square one Negative funds I gotta borrow each other's money To make it through lunch And it sucks but you can make it up another night No matter how rough it gets Never give up the fight Alright you never mind why we get this far Yo give me the mic for two seconds Let me spit this hard We live in a life where it's still But we hit these bars Drinking a free on some tickets Till they slip us up I'll take the scissors and I'll Shove them up their asshole Threaten them with gas Just to infiltrate their cash flow You are the friend That promoters never ask for Charge you for the ticket Say you don't have the fans for No, you don't mind Give them $200 Grind them just to sell them You're taking half off the offer Only sell three tickets Which is 15 bucks 185 for people to give me love Still, I'm showing up I travel early to the venue One free drink Off the special dollar menu Forget you I learned my lesson On my fifth rap show With the glorified local That just reps one flow I moved on Now I struggle And I go on the road Money still late, had no shower, I'm broke So Sammy said it perfect, yo, it's something I know I'll never stop spitting letters anywhere that I go, we out Alright, I want you to know that I never do this But I've been listening to this album again, Bamboo Fortunes And this shit's just really good So I like to leave you guys with a collab track But I'm gonna add a second song here The title track from Bamboo Fortunes That Kid Cry, listen up I'm waiting on a fortune, a fortune These tellers are telling tales and turning kids into orphans Trying to find a fortune, a fortune Tell me what's in your ball and I'll see if I can afford it I'm waiting on a fortune, a fortune These tellers are telling tales and turning kids into orphans Trying to find a fortune, a fortune Tell me what's in your ball and I'll see if I can afford it They say that I should wake up, forcing my hand with pickups All aboard of the new world where normal people be raiders Your storage for what they play you, filling your head with data they rub me the wrong way Like metal round and eraser Can anybody just hear me? A fortune is what you make it People support a system That isn't something to praise It's absurd You want the truth? What is value to you? Would a stranger pay my ransom To keep me out of a noose? Hell no, I don't feel it Love ain't coming for trade Searching for it's a trend Some people value their pain Abel don't value cane It's human nature to kill To go inside of a desert And make sure water is spill Get greedy just for the thrill Take and take like a pill Living beyond their means Just to put their cat in the wheel they working ain't match the keys The fake out rap in the rear When they asking for the check They want twice as much for the bill huh. I'm waiting on a fortune A fortune These tellers are telling tales They're turning kids into orphans Trying to find a fortune A fortune Tell me what's in your ball And I'll see if I can afford it I'm waiting on a fortune A fortune These tellers are telling tales They're turning kids into orphans Trying to find a fortune A fortune Tell me what's in your ball And I'll see if I can afford it Coming down in your faces Urgency gon' replace it's money, time, and emotion Logic is on hiatus Personified by displacement Our efforts are being wasted Can you feel it in the air tonight? We ain't gonna make it The world don't want any changes Taking rides for the thrills Death is all around But they paying us for our skills Huh, ain't that a bitch? Values are never real They give their life for a paper I'm never signing a deal Measure me how you feel But we should never be worshipped I'm nothing to be afraid of And you should be more assertive Yeah, I don't make music I make a rhyme and I word it I make other writers mad They tell me that they ain't worth I'm just trying to find a day off Give it away, y'all You acting like you ain't wrong But yo, you way soft Only worship great God He is a great guy And fortunes never change And that's why you rock a lame life I'm waiting on a fortune A fortune These tellers are telling tales They're turning kids into orphans Trying to find a fortune A fortune Tell me what's in your ball And I'll see if I can afford it I'm waiting on a fortune A fortune These tellers are telling tales They're turning kids into orphans 
trying to find a fortune, a fortune. Tell me what's in your ball and I'll see if I can afford it.